0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. I was reminded uh, this morning of the power of the gospel and the word of God. Uh, I'm actually very critical of my preaching in in evaluation mode because I preach two sermons, not two, two services in the morning. So typically... um, I make adjustments for the second one, so I actually like the second sermon better, but this morning at the 845 service, I was actually in a lot of pain, I don't know if y'all noticed that, I was trying to cover it up, I didn't take my, you know, I had hernia surgery on Friday morning, and I didn't take the right pain medicine, the heavy stuff, uh, to, I had brought it with me, and I made the, that adjustment for the second service, and there was a huge difference in that, but... um. You know, you always are reminded, whenever you teach or preach the Word of God, you, the Lord will always remind you it's not about performance and it's not in many ways about uh, preparation or your knowledge or how well you know the Bible or stories or driving home your points or like that because I actually wasn't pleased this morning with my 845 service because I was actually hurting and, um, and I felt it was very rushed. And, and plus I knew we were going to be praying for Jim but do you know, and then I, I, uh, I did, I thought, a lot better. I, the second service to me, I took pain medicine, and it was a totally different message in many ways. But, but do you know between those two, because I talked to you, all you all afterwards, the Lord used the first sermon ten times more than the second one. The one that had, was lousy, that none of the points were in good, the one that didn't make any sense. One that Sherry actually told me it ended too early. Like, you know, it, it's short. I mean, you, when do you get a short sermon? I mean, just every possible mistake that you can make, it make, and then that's the one God uses. And that reminds us always, whenever we teach and we preach the Word of God, it's, it's, not, it's not about us. The Lord, The Word of God is what's powerful, and it's what changes people's life. And I actually was reminded of that this morning, David. I, I literally witnessed. And I've been in worship services before. Some of the greatest revival services I've been in have actually had the worst preachers. I mean, it's just guys that just don't. I mean, they're just off. It's in la la land. It's but it's the it's the, the spirit of God is moving, and it's not. And people are just reminded that through. Just the, the word of God and through the power of the gospel, that is what changes people's life. And we have to be reminded of that as, as well. So, and, and, it's not, uh, and I was reminded of that this morning too. So before we uh, go ahead and open your Bibles, the book of John, John chapter 12. It is now time. We are five weeks away from Easter. So this is a, uh, we're preparing for Easter. And we're going to be talking about some things. I want to tell you all some things going on here in our church, Wednesday morning. If you, I have one more 6 a.m. Wednesday prayer meeting. If you have not joined us, I think da- David, David Dawson, you've been to every single one, I believe, or nearly every single one. So uh, D- David's been there at all of them, and uh, some of you have as well, I see. But if you have not been, um, I want to encourage you, this would be our last chance. It's been a great time of prayer. Beecher comes, and he plays the guitar quietly, and even if you can't stay, I want to encourage our folks watching online, you all can come up here from 6 to 7 if you only can come for 30 minutes before you have to go to work. It's a great time just being time with the Lord. I mean, it's truly a prayer meeting. You know, we have microphones, so you can go up to it and pray if you want to, but you don't have to. So it's, it's totally up to you. It's not time to play on your phone, it's time for you and the Lord. So that, that is our winter prayer meeting. So uh, that, the last one will be this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Uh, so that's coming up. Also, I want to remind you, two weeks from today is Time Change Sunday. Now, that Sunday, that is also D-Now weekend at this church. So what we do on D-Now weekend, I have, we have a bunch of guests going on. Zach's up in the sound booth right now. Uh, we have a gentleman named Caleb Davis who's going to be preaching that morning. That morning, we lose an hour. You know, we spring forward. So what we do, and we did this last year, there's no 845 worship service. That's, that we're talking about on Sunday, March 10th. And the reason why there's no 845 worship service is because you're going to feel like it's 745, and that's extremely early. We do have Sunday school at 10, and we're going to have one combined 1115 worship service. So the 1115 service will feel like it's 1015. So that's in two weeks. So, and then there's the band. Uh, Zach, I forgot the name of the band. It's from Frankfurt. They're going to be leading the worship, and Caleb's going to be preaching. So if you know teenagers, this is youth weekend at the church. So if you know teenagers, you want to invite them, write your grandchildren. And it's an exciting time for that. And you want to be a great encouragement to our teenagers as well. So that's coming up. All right, another thing, because I spent a, a week in the car or, or 13 hours in the car this past Monday, um, and I want to sh- say at our second service, um, Graham Johnson's mother Her father passed away about a week and a half ago unexpectedly, and his mom was here our second service day, 1115. Her name's Gail Johnson, and we're going to be seeing her more and more, and David, she's going to get connected in our senior adult ministry. She's in a new season in her life, and um, she was asking about Cheryl Biddle's Sunday school class because she's just, it's a lot of sudden changes, and uh, Graham and Abby live up here, so she'll be spending a lot more time up here. So uh, she... Y'all are going to be getting to know her, and that's somebody I want y'all to get to know. Her name is Gail Johnson. Uh, she's 70, uh, early 70s. Her husband would have turned 73. Today his, was his birthday. He passed away a week and a half ago. His name was Ted Johnson. He lived there in um, Jenkins, I'm down there with that. But I was in the car with um, Betty and Francis, and we need to find out. You know, we talked about moving getting rid of Sunday night worship, except for special events for, um, like, uh, African worship and for, uh, like, uh, yeah, quartet, stuff like that. But then I'm realizing a lot, and we're going to replace it with outreach nights. I'm realizing a lot of people don't want to come to outreach li- nights. If we do that, who, who would, who's, if we do outreach nights, who's planning on coming to outreach nights? Outreach nights means, it's actually more work for me, <laughs> for hours. We meet in the fellowship hall, and we're going to go visit people in the community, and invite them to church, and tell them about Jesus. So we go do outreach on Sunday nights instead of have worship service. Who would rather do outreach nights? Okay. Okay. Who would rather have Sunday night church while we have, what you're in right now? So, this is what I'm realizing too. Because what's going to happen, innocent, it might be if I plan outreach nights, it might be me, you, and David. So, we'll, we'll be doing the outreach, and we can do that any night. So, so that's so. Uh, I know Betty's shaking her head over there. So, that's uh, <laughs> so. Okay, that's all I need to know. So, uh, I'm, I'm working on that. Um, so, those are some of the things uh, coming up uh, with that. So, we have our business meeting in three weeks. So, we actually have a lot to vote on, including changing our worship service times. Um, uh, so, that's coming up. Um, Those next, are our next few weeks, Sunday nights at our church. Next week, Raphael's going to be preaching. Two weeks, I'll be back here. And that will be our time change Sunday. And then three weeks, you know, I'll be back and we'll have business meeting that night as well. And so, then after that, we're getting into Palm Sunday, then Easter. And there's no service on Easter that night. Okay, open up your Bibles here to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. I want to give you background information because we are five weeks away from Easter and this is a time where Jesus is headed to the cross. This is the transformational time in our life when we realize that the Lord is going to the cross. He's dying for our sins and it's important for us because we are saved by what Jesus' work on the cross and the resurrection. So I'm going to give you background information before we read this, because we're going to read John chapter 12, starting in verse 20. Then we're going to flip over our Bibles, and we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2. So this is the ongoing desire to see Jesus. There is a desire for people to see Jesus. And uh, a lot of people don't realize what what they need, but they need the Lord more than anything else. So what happened here, this is right after what we would call Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Jesus entered into Jerusalem, or one week before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Most of the book of John is actually, half the book of John is actually just the last week of Jesus' life, and that's, you can see it starts here, John chapter 12, where it's already going into that direction towards his last week. But what happens here, starting in verse 20, Jesus has entered Jerusalem. And it says here that there's going to, be, we're going to be introduced to some people who are called Greeks. The reason why these Greeks were in Jerusalem is because this is during what we call the Passover festival. They're going there to celebrate actually what Moses did 2,000 years beforehand. But then what they don't realize is they're, they're there to celebrate the Passover, but they're also going to witness Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection that same at the end of that week of what happened. So that's where we're going to pick up here in Bibles. We're going to read this, I'm going to stop and we explain it and we're going to reference Colossians chapter 2 as we go along. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip. Philip is a disciple who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. That is a request of a bi- great Bible verse. Sir... We want to see Jesus. They they catch Jesus' disciple and they go to him. And they make this basic request. This is what people are asking today. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew also was from Bethsaida, the same community. This is also the area where Peter's from. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Every single time in the Bible we see Andrew mentioned, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. So in this case, Andrew is with Philip, who's bringing these Greeks people, these uh, non-believers, they're they're heard about Jesus, they're bringing them to Jesus. So now Jesus has these Gentiles. Remember, who's a Greek? A Greek is a non-Jew. So a Gentile is about to be taught here about Jesus. So now we're going to get into the teaching. So in verse 23, the question though is, we want to see Jesus. We want to see what's going on here. Jesus replied to them. So Jesus is speaking to the the Greeks, the Gentiles. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains by itself, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Obviously, Jesus is speaking about himself. He's the one who's going to go die. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, they obviously do not understand what he's talking about here. What Jesus is talking about is he's sharing that they think he's going to be this great uh, political leader. And he's saying, no, I'm actually going in obedience to serve my Father. I'm going to prepare a way so you Greeks and all of you people can get saved. Now it's about to shift. So, of course, they do not have a clue what he's talking about when he just said that. Now, look what he says here. Verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour, but that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Notice this is the humanity part of Jesus. He's realizing I'm... I am just a few days away from dying. Jesus is not just dying for himself, he's dying for all the sins of the entire world. And he's recognizing he's also a human. There's a, there, whenever someone is facing death, obviously, because we're alive, we do not want to die. But this here, he's wrestling with this, but he also recognizes he can't ask God to save him from this hour of death because that is why he came. Jesus knew his purpose. The entire story of Christ is leading up to this point. He's saying, you can't rescue me, Father, because this is what I was sent for. This is what I was created for. In part of us understanding salvation, us having a relationship with God, is realizing, Lord, you, I was, you created me for you. And that's what we see here. He's being told, this, this, this my purpose is now. And he, he makes this statement in verse 28. Father, glorify your name. So he's speaking to his, his father. He's saying, God, I want you to get all the glory for this. And then look what happens here. So understand what's going on. Jesus is having this conversation. You think He's talking to the Greeks, but He's actually talking to His Father. So He says, Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. So how did He glorify it the first time? He glorified it in the the birth of His Son. He sent His Son. And He's about to do it again through the death and through the resurrection of His Son. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And that is so true today. Whenever people see a great movement of God, whenever a wonderful thing happens, happens by the Lord, there's always confusion. And we see that. Because many people say, oh, that was thunder. Or it was an angel. If the Lord speaks to you, and, and especially through God's Word, the devil will be right there. I'm going to show you all this in the book of Colossians a little bit, to confuse the message. And we are reminded, though, that the Lord, He is making it very clear that He is about to glorify His Son here again. And part of, part of salvation for people to see Jesus is they have to be able to strip apart all the other things that blind people from knowing the Lord and it's all around us today. And you can see it everywhere. There's all sorts of stuff. goes on to say here, Jesus responded, verse 30, This voice came, not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Who is the ruler of this world? He's talking about the devil right there. He's saying, "Soon the ruler of this world is going to be gone. He's getting cast out. But as for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself." He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. So what, the principle of what we see right there is Jesus is teaching that just like there's example of him being lifted up. And one of the stories in Moses is the people were griping and complaining in the book of Numbers, and God sent venomous snakes to go bite all the people, and they started dying. They're they're in the wilderness, and these snakes would come out of the sand and bite the Israelites for complaining, and then they would die. But then God told Moses, says, if you create a bronze snake, and you lift up the snake, and people look up at the snake, then they will live because they look up and they receive life from that golden snake so what's happening here is jesus is saying i too am going to lift up people and this is part of the work of salvation i will draw all people to myself part of salvation is what god does he draws us to himself it's not by accident this goes on to say what i was talking about this morning you know People getting saved is not because of a slick preacher or somebody's really cute and funny. People get saved because God draws them to the cross. One of the great things about personal evangelism, when you're always sharing the gospel, you have no idea how the Lord has been preparing that person for what you're about to say. You don't know. We we are just we are we are always open to um, to the Word of God. You know, I teach toddler Sunday school with Sherry uh, in my toddler Sunday school class. And in a year and a half ago, our class was struggling. We only had one or two children if we were lucky in there. Sometimes we had zero. It was just really a weak class. This morning, I had eight children. I mean, it is just amazing in that little class. And folks, we don't even have a full permanent children's director. I mean, God's just bringing visitors this morning, just bringing little two and three year olds to that class. And that's what the power of the gospel does. We have first time visitors this morning in my little class. And we trust the Lord. We um, say, Lord, you're going to bring the people. We are preparing for the people. And God draws people. He wants to see people come to Broadway Baptist Church. He wants to see people saved. And that's what it means to be a Bible-believing church. That's why we have Sunday night church. He's drawing us here to the cross. It says in verse 33, he said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. But of course, they don't understand this. He, he's, he's, they, 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 don't, they thought this was thunder. They thought this was an angel speaking. You know, this is a festival. It's a religious event. And all these things are going on. Then the crowd replied to him, now look at the confusion that they're about to say. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? The Messiah will remain forever. Well, that's actually true. Jesus has always existed. He always will exist. Jesus answered. So now they ask this question. These are the Greeks. These are people who do not understand. Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness does not overtake you. This is what the devil does to us. And in a little bit we're going to turn to Colossians. Darkness overtakes people. Just as it's turning dark right now, all of a sudden when you you go about your life without Christ, when you live live the life without the Lord, uh, it gets just darker and darker and darker. And And then eventually it overtakes you. And then you pass away and you're in total darkness. We are surrounded by people in this wonderful city who do not know the Lord. And they have been overtaken by darkness and they are spiritually lost. And it says here, the one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. They have no clue. This is the moral confusion of today. We cannot expect lost people, people who do not know Jesus, people who do not know Christ as their Savior, to live like they do. Because it says right there, they walk in darkness and they don't even know where they're going. You're expecting a lost person to live like a saved person. The standard is for expecting saved people to walk in the light. While you have the light, believe in the light. This is the Christ, that's who light is. So you may become children of the light. Jesus said this and then went away. And look at this. He hid from them. He went and went and played hide and go seek. He basically told them the truth. He says, you're walking in darkness. You need to start walking in the light because you are going to become children of the light. And then he says, I've got to get out of here. Because the religious leaders, they did not grasp this. And the uh, remaining verses here, we won't read them, but it goes on to talk about Isaiah's prophecies here how they were fulfilled, how the people had hard hearts and they rejected the message of Jesus with that. And Jesus actually goes from here and he goes and washes the people's feet. So I want to show you some things up here on the board about uh, teaching about us on our personal walk with the Lord. But it is possible for us, Jesus is teaching us about our walk, it is possible for darkness to overtake you. People who do not know Jesus have been overtaken by darkness. Number two, those walking in darkness are spiritually lost. They don't realize they're lost. But understand what that first point is. I believe a lot of people, you can be exposed to biblical truth. You can hear but then as you go about your life, sin actually hardens you. Sin is very deceptive. And a lot of people who are receptive, and most people, if you notice, when they get saved, they're usually younger. Because their heart's very sensitive to God. You find somebody who's older, they're set in their ways. They've already decided, I've made it this far through life, I can make it to the end. But at the end, there's total darkness. You get to the very end, and they won't do it. Do you know, uh, if I had a child right here who's never been baptized, and i have an adult right there who's never been baptized, and I'm sitting there talking to the other, two of them, that child will tend to, 20 times more be more open to getting baptized than an adult. The adult will make up every excuse in the world why they can't get baptized to me. Yet the amazing thing about baptism is that Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized. In fact, you don't even see children in the Bible getting baptized. It's always adults following Jesus getting baptized. Now what, what's amazing there about the adult is the excuses are, are pitiful why adults can't get baptized. They're too old, messes up their hair. What will people think? I mean, I've heard all of this stuff. It's like you're following Jesus. It's the most, you will stand before this man, the guy who created your hair, the guy who created you, you have to give an account to and you're making excuses why you can't do it. And people are more concerned about what other people think than what the Lord thinks. When we we stand before the Lord, we don't don't give an account to other people, we give an account to the Lord. We should care what He thinks about us. And what happens to people as they walk, it says the darkness If you go back and you look there, in John chapter 12, verse 35, it says, The darkness, watch out, so that the darkness does not overtake you. It's like you're walking, you go out for a walk, and all of a sudden it's 6 o'clock, and then you turn around, at 6.40 like it is now, and you look around and go, wow, it's pitch black dark. I didn't realize it turned dark this quickly. When we went to eastern Kentucky, it turns dark there at 4.30. Do you know why? because there's mountains everywhere, and the sun, once they get behind those mountains, it just, uh, 4.30 every day, it turns dark. Even though the sun doesn't set till se- uh, 6 or 7 o'clock, 4.30, just because the way the mountains are, your, your day's over. So that you have to just go in, and probably the sun doesn't come up to 9 a.m., because it can't, it's got to rise above the mountains, because everybody lives in a valley over there. And that's just how it is. You have to understand, this is where I am. The darkness is in the light. This is how it works. But spiritual darkness is all around us. And part of what we do as Bible-believing Christians, we have to share with folks that the most, most dangerous thing to happen is you don't recognize how d- dangerous and damning sin is to our souls. And Jesus is telling these men here, if you aren't careful, it will grasp you as well. Now, flip in your Bible. Last scripture we're going to see this evening here. Flip over a book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. This is some of the main scripture I want you to turn there because it is actually going to teach us about what the devil does. Remember, Jesus told us when he went to the cross, he was actually going to defeat the devil's work. And when he was lifted up on the cross, he's showing that all men may look to him and be saved. That's why when you come to church and we have a cross... That's why on top of our wonderful steeple, we have a cross. That's why on our our brand new logo, it has our steeple, which at the very top of that logo is the cross. Because you're pointing people to Jesus. Because that's where Jesus draws us to. We're drawn to the cross. Colossians chapter, we're going to read three verses here. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. God's Word tells us here. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive with Him and forgave us all our trespasses. That is what the work of God is. So these people who are lost are actually dead in their trespasses. That is sin. Uncircumcised of the flesh means you're, 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 you're living a fleshly life. So the work, the work of Jesus is He takes dead people and He makes them alive with Him. And He forgives us. Salvation is being made alive by Christ and being forgiven by Christ. This verse truly sums up the work of the Lord right there in verse 13. And now, look what, look what he, he did on the cross right here. Verse 13. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations and was about us and opposed to us, and has taken it away by nailing it to a cross. President Biden this week, I think he forgave student loan debt for like $150 million or billion dollars to lots of people who, I think he's done this before, he's trying, he did it again this past week, I think the previous ones got struck down in court, but he's just forgiving people of their debt. So you owe this bill, and the president says, look you don't need to pay this bill anymore you are forgiven no more no more money you owe to the government or to your student loan that is exactly what biblical salvation is we have a debt because we have sinned against the Lord we owe the Lord we we're guilty and the Lord has erased that not because we made good payments not because we earned it in fact we haven't made any payments Jesus made the payment he, the payment plan for us. And it says he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations. And that against us and opposed us and taken away by nailing it to a cross. Our debt literally is nailed to the cross. That's what happens. What we owe is nailed to the cross and God sees Daniel's sin is paid in full. And then look at this last verse for this evening here. in Verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in Him. Who are these rulers and authorities? That is the devil. The power of the devil has been removed in our life because of the work of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus met with these Greeks, And he's saying, y'all don't need to be walking in darkness anymore. You need to become walking in light because then you become children of light. And if you don't do that, darkness will overtake you. And the next thing you will know, you will be surrounded by this darkness. So what Jesus is doing in our personal life, he disarms the devil against us. You know, many of you here, uh, you've had a rough week. You've had challenges. And we are reminded in this scripture that the Lord has disarmed our, our, our adversary, the devil. I mean, I think about this week. I know uh, Sherry, one of the ladies that she, one of her uh, ladies she works with, one of her sisters, 37 years old, diagnosed this week with stage four colon cancer, 37 just like that. they says it's, it's, it's terminal. I mean, just found out just a few days ago, just like that. They're not even 40 years old. And, and these people, they, I don't know if these folks know the Lord. They're walking in darkness. And what happens is when, when something like that just suddenly comes upon you, that suddenly. I'll give you another example. Daniel Jr., my son, in the sound booth, about five years ago, invited someone from school. Uh, and she came a little girl was in the youth group. She came for a long time. Her name was Carson. Came to our youth group with Zach. Her mother was buried on Friday in Nicholasville. In her early 40s, she had cancer. Just like that. And she had been battling cancer for two years. But cancer, as every doctor would tell you, it might go in remission, but in many ways it never goes away. And it came back. It went in remission and it came back. Her name was Kelly. And Kelly had been to our church before. Several times. But we are reminded. When we read the Bible. When we read our scripture here. That that the Lord disarms the devil. His ultimate uh, attack plan for us is death. And that disarmingment is removing the fear that we have of what's going to happen when we pass away because someone who does not know the Lord they are scared to death to die and we as Bible believing Christians as that verse told us there in John chapter 12 we are now children of the light our hope is no longer in the things of this world or in our finances or in our any ability it's solely in the Lord He's the one who erased the certificate of debt. Just like President Biden this week took away all that student loan debt for the people who own their student loan. Jesus does something even better. He removes our debt of sin. And He nails it to the cross. So when you and I sin, what we're doing is we're, we're nailing our sin to the cross. He has taken it from us. This evening we look at this passage and it all starts out to when these Greeks went to, went to Philip who then went to Andrew and said, Sir, we want to see Jesus. That is a question for us today. We are surrounded by people who are asking that question. These people were confused, the Greeks. They did not understand what they were talking about. They thought they were looking for a political leader. That's why right off the bat, he went off and he started talking about how he's going to die. But when he dies, he's going to then come back to life and produce much fruit. That's not what they wanted to hear at all. They weren't looking for a man who was going to die. They were looking for a man who actually uh, was wanting to glorify and honor his father. And that's why the Lord, in this unique conversation, the Lord spoke and says, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And then whenever God speaks, there's also confusion to that. Some people say it was thunder. Some people, say it was th- some people said it was an angel. It's just like this worship service. In this worship service, five people could get saved tonight. And some of us would walk out and say, well, it was just an emotional response. They were just I heard a powerful sermon and they were emotionally stirred. And then other people would walk out and say, well, they were confused. The message wasn't very clear. They didn't know what they were doing. Do You see, that's what happens a lot of times. There's always always another spin to it, what the devil does. And biblical salvation is one where Jesus is saying, do not allow, he said here in verse 35 and 36, do not allow darkness to overtake you. You have to maintain your walk you're walking in the light. And why are you walking in the light in verse 36? Because you are children of the light. He's saying you remember who you are. You are in Christ. You are the one that's had your sin erased, nailed to a cross. It's gone. So this evening, we are reminded of what Jesus is doing. He's headed to the cross amidst confusion. He even has these Greeks who want to see Jesus, and he's using that as an opportunity to teach them about truth so we're going to have our time of invitation we're going to respond to respond to the lord so betty we're going to come to our organ and david the piano and i'm going to invite everyone to stand up we're going to sing our invitation i stand down front if you need prayer or if you want uh, if you want to just come forward and pray at the altar now is your time to respond to jesus i'm going to be standing down front you respond to the lord this evening